Welcome to this episode of Lead Sex, where we go over the current trends that will impact society the next decade. Today we are going to discuss a topic that I've been really interested in for many years and now everyone is talking about. The metaverse that has been recently announced by Mark Zuckerberg, founder of Facebook, as its main priority. So much that they changed the company's name to Meta. What is it? Is it here to stay? Is that as new as most people think? Are we really all going to live most of our lives in virtual worlds? We have the pleasure today of having a good friend with us, and I'm there calling him a creative genius after what I've seen from him. Tupac Martin is a multimedia artist and creative director recognized for conceptualizing and executing memorable events in the fashion, art, and music industry. He's called the visual designer and creative director behind some of the world's most important events by Vogue magazine. For Elton John, Beyoncé, Danny Boyle, Coachella Music and Arts Festival, and Serpentine Gallery, he has contributed production design, visuals, and lighting direction. Tupac is also well-known in the fashion world, having worked on shows for Alexander McQueen, Moschino, Alexander Wang, to name a few. More recently, directed and produced the award-winning performative reality piece Cosmos Within Us, that Yannick and I had the chance to watch in Lisbon. Tupac is the founder and creative director of Satori Studio. Satori Studio combines design and technology to bring bold, stunning concepts to life, providing audiences across the world with spectacular, unforgettable virtual experiences from runways, stages, and sets. I'm David Bernardo, and I'll be joined today by our student interviewer, Yannick Cassens. We hope you enjoy it. We are here today with Yannick, our student interviewer, and with Tupac Martyr, which is our expert in multiverse and a lot of different things. Tupac, whenever I mention you, and I do speak about you quite a few times about all the amazing things you're doing, the first question is always, why Tupac? Tell us about your name. <laughs> well, hello, everybody. So my name is a bit of a, a bit of a weird one. This is 1970s. So you have to think my parents are two brilliant economists. And they were studying at Reading University. Uh, my dad was starting his first PhD. My mom was working on her second master's. And uh, when she arrived at the university, they asked her to sign a letter, which is said that she wasn't going to get pregnant in the duration of uh, the course. To which my mom said, I can't sign this letter because I'm already pregnant. So they kicked her out of the out of the course. That immediately meant that a lot of students went on strike, most of them Latin Americans, most of them Peruvians. And if you know anything about scholarships, means that if they're not going to school, they might not get a paycheck. So they, you know, they were truly risking their their careers and their lives to to make sure that my mother could come back to, to the university. And so in the end, the university said, "Yes, let's let's bring this woman back in," um, because after two weeks of strike, they couldn't take it anymore. And uh, in the end, uh, my parents decided to name me Tupacamaru because of, of because of them as a, as a recognition of my name and and what they had done for me to. To, to be here and for my mother to, to be in school. No, oh, perfect. So it's not related to Tupac the rapper. It's amazing. <laughs> no, 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 no. Actually, me and him are named after the same person, which is Tupac Amaru, uh, the, the liberation Inca oh. emperor. So yeah, it's, uh, it's we, we share that. In, I mean, we actually share uh, first name and middle name. Amazing. Now, there's um, there's been a lot of talk about multiverse recently. Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook, has been investing heavily on it uh, with Oculus. A lot of people are talking that Apple are going is going to come out with um, with different uh, gadgets as well and devices. Second Life has been around for decades. The Sims, uh, Fortnite, movies like Ready Player One. 
Can you explain is what is the multiverse for you? I mean, it, it's become the the word of of the last Thursday year, basically, which is great for us. But um, I think it's it's getting lost into a lot of ways. You know, the metaverse is not just being in VR, AR, or, or it's the the whole idea of 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 different types of realities, right? So as as we evolved, you know, as we can creating different types of technology you have what we call realities this is the way that we that we are fronted in the studio and that is you know you have a physical reality you have a digital reality you have a virtual reality you have an augmented reality a mixed reality an ephemeral reality you know it, and it's and it's all these different places in which you're able to interact with with the rest of the world now what makes it very interesting is how you're interacting with them you know obviously if you're in a headset you are in a world And therefore, you know, the rest of the avatars or the skins that you have and all that allow you to become someone completely different. You know, this is where the idea of the digital twin comes in. And the, the fact that all of us will have eventually a digital twin, just like all of us at the moment have a internet personality. You know, it's 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 not uncommon for anybody to go in and if you if you Google your name, the, the amount of information that exists about you in there. Now, is that information correct? Is that the correct person that you are? Of course not. Because you are, you know, very different. You have all sorts of thoughts. But nonetheless, there is an internet you, you know. And so what we're going to end up happening is you're going to have a digital you. You're going to have a digital twin who will be able to live in this different realities, in this metaverse, and be able to interact and have all sorts of different ways of, of being. I mean, in, in, in a way, it's, it's almost second life, like you said. It's second life on drugs. You know, it's like it's, it's, it's on steroids. It's just taking it to, to the max level. And if you think about web, you know, web 3.0 and what that's going to be, it's just, it's it's both exciting and scary at the same time. And, and Tupac, how would your personal metaverse look like? If it's just your personal imagination, like the farthest you could go, what do you think will be the, like 10 years from now, 20 years from now, what do you think will be the overall definition of it? What, what do we people will define the metaverse with? Oh, I mean, that's the that's what everyone's trying to... I mean, this is why Zuckerberg's investing so much money because he wants to be able to own that part of it. If you think about the early days of internet and and how difficult it was or how, you know, how, how trying to claim some technically real state within the internet, you know, and, and, and the elements in which people interact with it. We're actually at that at that point with the metaverse where we people, we're still trying to figure out what is it that you're going to be able to do? You know, are you going to be able to do holidays like that movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, uh, Total Recall and, and, and live and be some someone else completely, even though you're just sitting in a chair, imagining that you're going through all these different scenarios. Um, if you look at some of the elements that are happening with, you know, if you look at Fortnite, If if we, if we look at like you said, Rayo, you know, Ready Player One is 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 one of those. It, it is said that anybody that arrived to Facebook will have to read Ready Player One as they were arriving to it in order to understand what um, we wanted virtual reality to be. So it's it's not it's not that you can't predict what it's going to be like, but I think that right now we're approaching it with the knowledge that we have of what that could be. And the reality of it is, as we start exploring it, we're going to begin to to find new ways of using it. Think about, once again, I'll go back to the internet. Think about how at the beginning it was very much a military element. And then it became a something that was worth, that was used for work. And then eventually it became art pieces. And it, it created all these different types of, of ways of communicating and, and engaging with each other. So where are we going to be in 20 years' time? It, it's difficult to tell. But more than likely, like I said, we're all going to have a digital point. We're all going to have 
possibilities of, of interacting or, or visiting spaces without actually being there physically, but having our digital twin being part of that society. Um, so, uh, sorry, most companies are still a little unaware of it. Like whenever we talk about it, like here in Mexico, I've been speaking with some large companies and also in Europe about virtual reality and about these new realities and uh, and they're still very unaware. And one thing that, um, that I find it very relevant is that this is not only for gaming, like the impacts on retail can be amazing the impacts on nfts like you're seeing like the luxury industry going into it like uh, where you can buy like all the, the same way you have a person a virtual personality when you're buying luxury and we had a podcast about it what you're buying is status so if you have your virtual personality you're getting like some gucci sneakers for nine dollars like i believe they are selling them now and it ends up that hey what you're buying is status So the same way you buy status in real life, you buy status online, you just don't buy the physical product. So there are a lot of implications, like on retail, like everything you can do with data, like the every step, every look, every product, every, even like you can go into the biometrics, biometrics and see what changes in like your blood pressure when you look at a certain type of product, everything, education. So the usages are just unreal. But not only that, I mean, that, 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 that you're talking about big corporations, but I mean, I know people that, that sell cars and they sell um, houses and designs for Second Life and Fortnite. And, you know, I, I know a guy who sells cars in, in Grand Theft Auto. Um, wow. It's legal, actually, to sell, to sell cars in Grand Theft Auto, but he does it. But that's the whole point of it. It's, it's, this is what I mean by, by, by the fact of trying to predict what's going to happen in 20 years' time in the metaverse. is a little bit like a finger in the air because as we start evolving, as we start moving and understanding more and more what these things are going to be, it, it, we will evolve with them and, and, and move to understand better way. So, you know, I, I find it really interesting, for example, that the European Union actually has a commission on understanding what the AR world is going to be like and, and how do we need to limit certain things and we need to start regulating what's going to be the, the, the augmented reality world. Because if, if it's not that if it's not regulated, you're gonna end up having, you know, being able to through through, through your phone see dirty adverts of Coca-Cola and pedophiles and, and all sorts of things that, that that's not what you want to do. So it's it's really interesting that already there's, there's they're looking at how we're gonna regulate these other spaces. But you know, the metaverse is even further away from that. And how can you regulate currently? Because where where is the, the statue? Where is this thing living if it's actually living in a headset, if it's living in in, in some in, in the cloud, for lack of a better word. That, by that point, in order to to get better at this, now we're looking at edge computing. And the fact that edge computing is gonna make things even faster. Same thing as 5G, you know. So So I think this, this, that's what I said. It's a very exciting time. And at the same time, it's a very scary time. Tupac, at this point, how do you include virtual experience and reality in your work? I mean, you, you work with different scenarios and different techniques in the last couple of years. But I just read that online and saw interviews of you. But how do you like at this moment or what do you plan? Do you have any ideas? Yeah, first, you have to go to his show in Lisbon very yeah, exactly. soon. <laughs> if, you, if you come see Cosmos, you, you, you realize where, where my head is at. And, and that's the thing. I've been, I've been thinking about multiple realities now for about 10 years. And the idea that uh, a single story being seen and are being experienced in a different reality, it's going to generate a different way of understanding the story. And I'll give you a very easy example. And I, I always use this because I think it's the easiest thing to explain. A football match, right? So a football match for me has three, diff well, technically has four different ways of seeing it. Seeing it is a, a, a quote unquote, 
Number one, you go to the stadium. What does the stadium give you? The stadium gives you an amazing reality because you're surrounded by the atmosphere. You have the players that are playing in front of you. And, you know, the overall excitement of that is incredible. Now, the, the cons of it means that depending on where you're sitting, you might not have the best view of the pitch. Um, so you might end up watching a lot of the game through the screens. Nonetheless, it's because of the environment, you feel like this place is fantastic. Then you have a, another way, which is you see it at a bar, pub, restaurant, whatever you want to call it. Now, the advantage of that is you get all the replays of the television. You have all the right angles. You also are able to grab a drink, be with friends uh, and be with a bigger community. If you are seeing the game at home, you're still getting all the right angles, all the all the cameras, all the repetitions, all that kind of thing. You can also have some friends over. And then, you know, you also have a clean toilet, which is, you know, a, a big plus in my life. And then the fourth way is you listen to the radio and you imagine all the action that is happening based on what you're being related to the radio. Now, all four of those experiences are created by one game. The movement of all the players is the same live, on TV, in the, at the pub, on TV at home, or on the radio. The game hasn't changed. It's exactly the same. But the way that you experience it is completely different. And because of how you experience it, it changes the way that you're going to remember that game. And that's exactly what's going to happen with the metaverse. Depending on the way that you experience the metaverse, you're going to have a completely different reality of what's going on. Um, so in Cosmos Within Us, you use different realities, right? Um, yes. The, the ones that you picked there, how and why did you pick those kind of realities? What were the intentions so, of that? So Cosmos was... Obviously, Cosmos began more as an R&D project that eventually became a piece. You know, the first thing that we wanted to do with Cosmos, and this is 2017, when you have to think that VR is still very, very new in the way that we understand it. And, and most of the, 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 the stuff that you saw was basically 360 video or even, you know, three to five minute pieces that used to live on cardboard. You know, very few people actually had the opportunity to have a, 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 an Oculus Quest, an Oculus, you know, a, a Rift or, or, even a, or even a Pro. So most people were, were seeing VR through their telephone. So most people were just experiencing 360 video. Google and cardboard. so as the, as, yeah, cardboard. And, and, and as, as, as we started exploring what would be possible with VR, we wanted to see how performance could actually be brought into VR, but not something that was just a performance for the sake of performance or, or a way that it was only existing in VR, but actually having a communal experience within VR. And, and that didn't mean just a bunch of people in the headset, because at that time it was already, it was, it was quite tough to get you know, that many headsets synced in. So we decided to to have a single interactor, to have a single person going through the VR experience, but then doing an entire performance just for that person. So that's when we decided to have all the musicians live and the voiceover and the 11.2 surround sound system and, you know, adding uh, all the all the taste, touch and smell. So all of a sudden you have all the haptics that, that you have in real life being given to you through a headset. So you have no idea that all of us exist. You have no idea there's 14 people working for you at that point. But then we didn't want to leave it to the point that only that person in the, in, in the headset was going to experience it because we wanted this to be a performance. So the performance then allows us to have an audience. And then the audience gets to see how things are being done. The audience gets to see how the music is being created. The audience gets to see how these haptic elements are being done for, for our interactors. So in a certain way, we're almost like revealing the magic that is happening at that moment. And that for me was the important thing is you get to see what the interactor sees. You get to hear what the interactor sees, but you also get to see how everything is being created. So once again, the story doesn't change. The way that you receive the story changes, but the music, the audio, the visuals, everything is exactly the same for everybody in, in the headset or in the audience. And so immediately you are creating a two types of reality. And this was the beginning of it. The, the new piece that we're working on 
has six different realities, you know, and, and that's just because that's the, the next step of the exploration that we've had after Cosmos. And like over the time, how did this affect you? How, like your creativity, your work, your just like daily business. How like, I mean, you started kind of early for this kind of technology, but how does, especially in the art way, I guess, but how does it now affect and change your future perspective? Just your experience of the last I mean, couple of What it's done is it just gives us a very good understanding of what we can do in real time, what we can do, how, how different things are being experienced. So for example, as we were going through the script, we had to change some bits in the script to, to actually facilitate it better for both the interactor or the audience. So we started playing with elements from certain words and certain things that are being said so that it, it combines both of this, both of the audiences so that they don't feel that everything is for one or everything's for the other, but rather without realizing it, you know, they're sharing, they're sharing everything. So I think writing wise, we, we had to, we had to understand a lot audience participation and how everything is, is understood and explained had to change. And now more than anything else is, is how do we do not only multi-realities, but also what we call multi-engines. So rather than having a single engine running everything, how do we have three, four different engines working at the same time, feeding into each other and then feeding all together what we're creating as a piece. And then the reality that you're seeing might change based on the engine also that we're putting in there. So we're making a conscious decision of what reality gets what engine. So it's, it's just, you know, you, you basically we're digging deeper and deeper and deeper into this thing. As we, as we go through it, we're trying to find new ways of creating a separation of the realities so that there's there's a very clear understanding of of what you see so that you want you, you, I want you to come back and see the story four or five times and experience it in different realities and and get a better idea of of what that what that does and if you if you bring it to to early 2000s you know it's it's similar to what was happening with transmedia you know, in which we were trying to tell stories from different angles and we were trying to give you different points of view and we're giving, trying to give different, different types of things based on, on on the medium that you were seeing it. So if you translate that, it's, 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 it's technically what we're trying to do now with, with what we're doing with, with Unique, which is the next piece, but also the, the way that the metaverse is going to go. So there's, there's, very, there's a lot of clues already in, in our everyday world and, and things that have been done before to, to understand where we're going to be heading next. But trying to predict it is still... Still a bit different. And tell me something. You think VR is finally here on a consumer level? Because we've been like, VR is actually something that uh, yesterday I was reading a little bit more about it. And it's uh, from the, the initial concepts, I believe, like from the 50s. And then like initial experiments, like on the 60s. And we've been having even like the virtual boy for Game Boy. It's been like coming over and over and over again. And I've been, I'm a big fan uh, of the Oculus. I've been uh, using the Oculus Quest, now the Quest 2. It has like, it seems like to have a decent price. It's still a little bit bulky. Like the experience is, is pretty interesting. Do you think virtual reality is finally here or we are still on a very like B2B almost uh, an experience where people won't have their own headsets? I mean, you could say, depending on the demographic that you speak to, you can say that, that VR is here. I would tell you there's demographics that have no idea. I don't think it's, 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 it's here the way that people want us to make it feel that it's here. But I also don't think that we're that far away from, from where it's going to be. Obviously, you know, a lot of people are betting on what Apple is going to do because that, that has a, a major repercussion on, on the consumer level, not only on the action, but also on the reaction of other competitors and what they do and what kind of headsets they can come up with. And things like that. So, I uh, I know everyone says we're in the cusp of, of it being here. I I would say yeah, we're still we're we're still in the, it's for me <laughs> the cusp of VR is like dividing into zero. You can divide, divide, divide over and over again until you get to zero. And right now, 
we're just little by little we're 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 cutting that space to get to to, to the, the the moment that we are, you know, the VR is still the VR is here. I mean, what do we consider having you know VR here? Is is it the same level as consoles? Because consoles are here, you know, and they've been here for ages. So if we imagine if you can have the same amount of of, of headsets that you have a consoles now in the world, then I would say VR is embedded in our life. Actually, like the experience on gaming is so much more intense on VR that I would expect it to be much larger by now. The number of headsets. Yeah, but the problem is the, the problem that you have is you need to, in order to have a good to have a good experience, you need good Wi-Fi or you need a really good machine, and that immediately starts cutting down on some of the elements that you have. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I read the other day that. All in all, in the UK, there were something like 500,000 headsets. Yeah, I think, in a population yeah. in a population of 35, 33 million, 500 headsets is nothing. Yeah, I think we're probably between 10 and 20 million headsets right now in the whole world, which is compared in the whole world. To, yeah, yeah, compared to cell. So, I mean, if, if you grab that per capita, that's bloody all. You know, it, 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 and and in order to have a true, it's here. You need to have almost half of the population having one. I don't know what the number on consoles is, but I imagine having you know consoles around the world is super high. Like, do you think this would be ex- like accessible for everyone? Like we say, like there are a lot more headsets all around the world. It's more, a lot more available for everyone, and the technology will get more advanced. Do you think this technology itself has the ability to make the world a better place, or do you think it's a dangerous path to go? Because you said I mean, like, you think it, it has it, to be it, more it, regulated. Once, once again, it's it's a it's a bit of a toss up, isn't it? Uh, it depends on, and this is why content creation is such an important thing on it. Because what kind of content do you want to make? You know, what kind of people do you want to engage? I think for a long time, VR was seen as maybe a gamers thing rather than an, an, enter- an entertainment or even a, a cultural artistic element. Obviously, the, the fact that Venice and and Tribeca and Cannes and all these other festivals, the BFI, are 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 seeing immersive as a very important thing it means that it's it's now seeing as a as a medium as as a as a form of creation and so the more that we can get into that the better it is because then we're going to get different sides to it you know but you have to remember that for i mean we're not long ago i, I would say 5 5 6 years ago vr and 360 video was considered the same thing even though they are completely two different elements and yet you know they were they were bundled by themselves as 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 a single thing which is no different to electronic music. You know, for a long time, we used to bundle electronic music as a single thing. And then little by little, we start going, oh, no, this is minimal. This is house. This is garage. This is, you know, and, and I think it just it just takes more culture and, and having the ability of having different types of content in order to to get that that difference. Now, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, I mean, once again, it all depends on the creators and and what they're trying to do. And 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 in a certain way, allowing and making things easier. The the fact that Unreal is now for free is is a massive, massive thing. You know, because all of a sudden you have an engine. What Unreal is for our audience? Uh, Unreal Engine. Uh, so it's uh, it's a games engine uh, made by a company called Epic. And what it does is is it allows you to create experiences it allows you to you know we we all use it for people use it for architecture they use it for art they use it for cars they use it for um ambience they use it for games they use it for you know and so so all of a sudden you have this really nice engine that allows you to create experiences and it's free you know you don't have to pay a single dollar pound euro whatever you want to call it and the amount of information that is there the amount of documentation that you have in order to learn it it's huge so all of a sudden, this thing that was you know very difficult to learn and have it, all of a sudden is free for you to create, and that's actually opened the doors to to new to new people, to new 
uh, creatives, to new studios, to new people to, to engage in ways of creativity that they didn't think about it before without the expensive elements of, of what you used to cost to, to have this kind of software. Yes, you still need a good machine. You still need all sorts of other elements to it. But at least the element that, that was one of the bigger elements that was prohibiting you to, to enter this world is, is now being taken away. That barrier doesn't exist anymore. And that's huge. Uh, when you're talking about when we're talking about uh, different concepts and everything, two very uh, two concepts that are now uh, very on top of everyone's mind is VR versus AR. Can you explain this a little bit, uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit the difference between virtual reality, augmented reality, and where do you think the world is moving in the, with both of those technologies? Yeah, sure. So, so virtual reality is you're in a headset and in a certain way, you're completely oblivious to the world. Um, you are completely immersed on the world that you are because you are in a headset. You can't see through. AR, augmented reality, is something that you can use on your phone, for example. And that, once again, just like we're talking about consoles, having the possibilities of AR is it opens it to, to the public. So what you're doing is you're creating a secondary layer that exists only through the window of your phone. Yeah. So it uses your camera and your, your GPS to understand where it is. And then elements are, are all around it. The classic one to explain is, is Pokemon Go, where only if you were looking through your phone on, on the app will you see where the where, where Pokemon was and you can go and collect the Pokemon. But the, the advantage of, of AR, it, it means that you're layering a world on top of the real world and, and you're seeing it through, the, through, through, through your telephone. When you talk about mixed reality, it's also a layering of, of, of a different world, of, of layering of different elements, but they're going through glasses. So this is where Magic Leap and uh, HoloLens 2 or HoloLens, and, and eventually what we all think it's going to be what, what Apple is going to come with. It's going to be some sort of augmented reality glasses so that all of a sudden you're able to see different things and you're going to be able to interact with different things that are basically floating in the air or they're, they're create a secondary layer. So if you think in very Photoshop ways is... You create a layer in Photoshop and you can hide it, you can have it, you know, depending on what you're doing, and you'll be able to interact with it. Think, I think augmented reality is actually a, an easier way of, of entering this metaverse, but also it's a, it's a nicer, easier, um, more accessible type of, of, uh, of technology that most people can have. Um, based on, based on that, that idea, do you, or like all your experience with AR and VR, who is the most important or amazing person you ever worked with on that topic? Because you now already have a couple of years of experience and I'm positive that you already meet some interesting people that work with these technologies. What were your personal like impacts or touching? I mean, the, the funny thing is when I started working in, in VR, it's 2015 and the community was super small. Uh, I mean, we all knew each other. 15, 16, 17, I'll say 18 We pretty much all knew each other, and then and then you started seeing the a bit of a of a growth on creatives and, and people doing it, and then you know by 19 it was bigger, 20, 21. Now there's there's creatives that I'm seeing doing pieces for Venice and Tribeca that I have no idea who they are. I guess you can always you can always trace almost everybody to to some roots. Um, I think you have some very interesting people like uh, like Michel at uh, Michel Relac at uh, at Venice. You know he's He, he was a very early adapter of, of this technology and, and the way that he's, he's been working with Venice and, and curation and, and then working around what are the possibilities of, of what's happening right now. I think someone like uh, a creative like Rafa Pavon, who's now at the mill, 
is is a very interesting person in the way that he understands creativity in the in in this types of realm. He he comes from being in a studio, a very indie studio in Spain, and and the things that he was doing there, and how he's grown directly with the technology. And, you know, he's one of those people that I think are are quite amazing. There's a guy called Staya who um, lives in Amsterdam, who for me is is just fantastic. He became the the creative director of of Jont back in like 2017, and and he was doing some amazing camera cuts and and ideas with 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 video, you know, and and his his work in in VR is, is impressive in the way that he's trying to push the 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 medium. There was a company now deceased, or I think it was deceased, uh, called DV8, and they were doing some really amazing things in 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 the idea of performance and and what's being created between performance and VR. You know, they had a piece called Alice that was that was that sorry, it was the DV group. That's it. DV8 is the dancers DV group, and they were you know they 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 they, they blew our minds when, when we saw Alice. We all we all thought, okay, this is this is interesting. Might not be perfect, but it's it's moving in the right direction. This Celine Tricard, who did uh, the key, who you know for me is, is is one of the best the best women working around in in this medium. Then I don't want to leave anybody out because there's, uh, there's Ricardo Lagarado who comes from Brazil, who you know for me is one of the best storytellers in VR. You know, not just a director, but a very good storyteller understands what the medium can do and how you can use it on your on on your on your on your way to to tell the story. There's Kira out in the US, who is very much interested in performance and and performance for a massive audience and using um different types of realities in the way that she understands realities, which is very very interesting. So yeah, I mean, they, all in all, there's you know there's tons of people doing some very very good. Obviously, there's Chris Milk, who's one of the very very adapters of of this technology. Some amazing pieces. We're still doing some amazing pieces. Um, so yeah, that's the, the. But I can go on and on. I can talk to you about fifty, sixty yeah. people that that I, that I find amazing. To like and and something that really interests me on all on all these um, new technologies, and I think you guys as um, starting like to uh, to venture into this brave new world. Um, there are a lot of issues that come up in terms of ethics, in terms you're mentioning that European uh, Union already has a commission on it uh, to try to see how you regulate all these things. What do you think like in terms of impacts? Um, you're now working with doctors as well, and I, I'm going to ask you about it later. Is there um, a dissociation from everyday reality? Like, for instance, an interesting um, as a statistic I've heard recently is that with all the gaming and everything, people are losing their virginity much later uh, in the U.S. Like, um, but that has a representation of there's less contact between people Uh, people are not as comfortable with one another uh, on um, on a physical level. How do you think this is going to impact reality? It's a, it's an interesting one. I was I was well, I was watching a guy called Kevin Bridges yesterday talking about you know social media and and what is going on with with technology and and saying you know like this this generation has no idea about the fear of having to approach a woman or approaching a girl at the dance. And asking her if she would like to come and dance with you, you know, he was talking about like the sweaty palms and the the, the cracking of the voice and your 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 heart pounding with the idea and the the fear that you have of rejection. Nowadays, it's a left swipe, right swipe, <laughs> and I I enjoy that because it's it's so true. We we are in a certain way we're losing ourselves into into this, but nonetheless, it's it's really funny. Good friend of mine is uh, was one of the first VR porn stars and she used to tell me that people in 
when they were in the room, in, in, you know, in the virtual room, were actually very nice and polite, a lot more polite than they were when, when she was at the strip club. And uh, I found that really interesting. I think that, you know, if you also look at some of the, some of the elements that uh, someone like Skip Rizzo is doing with, with, uh, with digital humans and, and what does that mean to, to, to help with PTSD and, you know, all the, all the medical elements that come with it. I think there's, there's some really good things that you can be done in, in that way. So I think that, yes, by, on one side, we're, we're almost diverting ourselves from, from one place and, and almost being further away from each other. And then in another way, we are being so close to each other because all of a sudden you can get on a headset and you can be in Glastonbury or you can be at a festival or you can be in these other places where hundreds of people are coming in at the same time and people that you will never know are all of a sudden right next to you, you know, even though they live across the entire world. I think that the technology gives you once again that there's the there's, there's the amazing things and the scary thing. It all depends on how on the glass that you decide that you want to see this technology through. Even if you look at uh, a little bit at it as escapism, as you're running away from your reality, yeah. But it's like if I can't afford a vacation, and you were mentioning vacation before, and I live like in a slum in India or Mexico, or it's like yeah, it's great. It's like I'm going out of my reality that people have been doing in in society for for with alcohol with every type of things that ways to alter their reality so it can actually be a great way of making people have much more uh, diverse experiences and enjoy their lives although yeah it might be considered escapism but so what in, in no in no different way than um, than doing a bunch of lsd could be considered escapism exactly so Tupac, do you think creativity will change or is changing through virtual reality or the metaverse? Like just how people imagine things because so much things that used to be just imagination are now real. So I think also imagination has to evolve. Do you think that's going to be a pattern for the future? Yeah, of course. You know, and, and you can look at very early elements that were created in you know, 2015, 2016, and how that had an impact on people that then were creating pieces for 2019, 2021. You know, it, it, it's it's just the natural consequences of what we're doing and the natural consequences of creativity. The more that you see and the more you're able to experiment and that allows you to have um, new opportunities of, of doing new things. So I think that the beauty about where, where we're heading with all this, once again, is if, if you are looking and, and observing what other people are doing and you find, you know, any type of excitement on it, it will push you to try to do something better. Because you wanna you wanna express yourself, and that's the that's the most important thing. Now, one thing, uh, one thing, um, I'm going to to jump a little bit, and one of the things I've noticed when I when I've met you to back the first time, and we were talking about it, is you have the Reiki symbols tattooed um, on your hands, and you yes. spirituality has been always a very important part um, of your life. How do all these things come together? Because it's funny, I've been listening to, I don't know, from Elon Musk to Steve Jobs. Um, I was listening to several interviews this period. And in class, we were also talking about how spirituality is joining like business, everyday life, virtual reality. I think like even in terms of we have a body, we identify ourselves with a body. Once we go into virtual reality, our body doesn't make as much sense. If we think about in some future, we might even be able to upload our consciousness to the, the cloud. Let's put it like this. How do you bring all these things together? Technology, spirituality in both as 
um, society and in your daily life? It's weird, isn't it? For me, they're, they're all interconnected. I am one and all at the same time because the, the way that I understand myself as a, as a human gives me an understanding of who I am as a technologist, uh, which gives me an insight about who I am as, a, as, as, as an artist, which, you know, it, it just is it's, it's a massive loop of, of, of one and the other and how they're, how they're interconnected. And, you know, the, the, it's well known that I've been meditating for 24 years, that I meditate for about an hour every morning and every, every, every afternoon or evening. I meditate for another hour. I tend to read at least 30 minutes in the morning and at least 35 minutes at night just as a, as a rule of thumb. So in the same way that, you know, I, I limit myself to only be in VR for two hours. More than that, I, I can. I can be there for six, eight hours and I have a problem. I'm so used to headsets. But I, I have that limitation of saying to myself, you know, two hour maximum, unless I'm in, I'm in a festival, then that obviously changes the dynamics of it. But I think that by, by being conscious of, of the different parts that make me who I am, I'm able to to grow within each other, to to kind of thread them across and see how my meditation goes into my creativity and how my creativity goes into my philosophy and my philosophy goes into my technology and, and then my technology goes into my ethics and, and it just kind of loops around over and over and over again. It's, uh, you know, I'm not going to say it's an easy, it's an easy thing. You got to work on it, but it's, it's, it's one thing that, that allows me to to dissect things in a, and have different points of opinion. You know, it's, it's almost like I can grab a subject and I can try to see it from five, six different points of view and, and make sense out of it for, for each one of them. Um, so what, um, we, what we just talked about that you schedule a day with your, with your meditation, with your reading and also with your VR, but from all those different factors or your routine of the day, what are you most passionate about right now? Like what's, what's the reason or like, what's your, I hasn't changed for the past. I'm what? I'm 44, so it hasn't changed for about 37 years now. <laughs> oh wow! So, so it's a long routine. <laughs> I mean, my creativity. Uh, everything that I do is 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 there to to feed the creativity. One thing I find so amazing about you and the conversations, and we're just recently having coffee in Lisbon as well. I still owe you the bottle of mezcal, by the way. And uh, But one of the things that um, it's like you have a lot of different interests. Like it's uh, you can basically like speak about nearly everything. I'm exaggerating, but uh, it, it's fascinating from politics in Mexico to philosophy um, you were telling me about uh, philosophy through the um, the Strumpfs. Remember that? Yep. Uh, that yeah. I, I found fascinating. Tell me something. You you're now working at the Champalimau Foundation, which is um, a big foundation in Lisbon for research on cancer mostly, and um, you are now uh, working with them. Can you tell us a little bit more about that experience that I'm fascinated about? I know you're starting. You've started recently. Yeah, so as of the 1st of October, I became one of the two artists in residence here at Champalimau. And I say here because I'm currently here. Uh, I'm actually in the middle of a, of a neuroscience congress. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm now working with um, 30 teams of neuroscience and 10 teams of oncology. And the idea is to to understand how art and culture and technology can benefit neuroscience and oncology research, as well as clinics and clinicians and patients, but also how they can influence the way that we work and, and some of the techniques and some of the technologies that they're developing can move into my world of, of art, culture, and entertainment. And so it's 
it's very, very um, exciting is the only way I can put it. You know, yesterday I was having a conversation about about food and then about dance. And then we're talking about the, the, the relationship of flies and sexual behavior. You know, it's just like how how do all these things come together is is amazing. And then, you know, talking to talking to them and, and understanding it is it's it's just a. Uh, uh, to say that I'm giddy is uh, is, is 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 a short word. Like you said, I'm I'm very passionate and very um, curious about a lot of a lot of things in in the world. And and being able in this you know center of the unknown, as 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 it's called, is 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 amazing because the crossovers that we're gonna have are are are, are infinite. You were speaking about as well the the possibility of using, for instance, VR for therapy. I would assume that you can use it for things like pain, just like uh, general anxiety, things like this. Are you guys looking into it, or you know about? Yeah, it? yeah, no. There's 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 a lot of things that we're looking into how immersive technologies can help rehabilitation, how they can help the different patients, but also how they, you know, we might be able to influence some of the research that they are doing with in neuroscience, you know, and creating games or creating things that they can potentially use. But also, you know, I was, I was sitting at on radiology about. Uh, about a week and a half ago, and they were showing me the MRIs and the scanners and the precision that they have on the body and the amount of information that you can get out of it. I mean, it was, you know, when I went to art school many, many years ago, I, I sat for, for four years in anatomy class. And the whole, my whole point of being in anatomy class was to, year one was to learn the muscles, year two was to, year, to learn the tendons, year three was to learn the nervous system, and year four was to learn um, the vessels and, and the arteries. And it was just because of my style of painting that I, I wanted to really understand how the body moved and, and, and everything that existed within it. Now, when I'm looking at all this, this, this images in, in, in radiology, it's, it's insane the amount of detail and accuracy that we can get and, and how that's going to allow us to, to create new pieces. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a two, it's a, it's a two highway. You know, it goes both ways and somewhere in, in, in between in some places, we're going to start creating, creating new pieces that we're going to let, you know, other people other people see, but it goes beyond the the realm of of just research. You know, I I I want to have an entire conceptual idea that I want to do here to also open the the foundation for other people to to come in and experience things that we're going to create here. So it doesn't stay just within within the walls for the people that are here on a day to day basis, but also opening it up for for the, for the rest of the world to come in and, and visit the the foundation and and see what we what we're up to. Uh, Tupac, uh, that's fascinating. Uh, we want to be respectful of your time. We know you're in the middle of um, of a conference. So just a, a couple of last questions. And I would love to follow up because every time I speak with you, I just learned so much. What are you most passionate about right now? What's like moving? What it is gets you in the zone and you are really looking forward to develop? You have these projects coming to Lisbon, you're at Champalimo, you have all these amazing... We didn't even go into your lighting work that is... Like, <laughs> like I think we'll bring, you, we'll bring you to talk about that in another podcast, but um, which is a <laughs> massive part of your work. But what are you, what is like motivating you and keeping you passionate now? What's your um, project for it, yeah. Honestly, it's it all in all is is this idea of the multi realities. It's it's something that I'm very very passionate about, and I've been working about it because it, it, not only is multi realities, it's it's a combination of multi realities, multi engines, and 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 almost multi multi years, you know, and 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 creating pieces that last fifty years and transform across fifty years, and what happens across fifty years. It, it's it, I have a I have massive fascination on on all these things at the moment and, and anything that kind of trickles any of those three 
three main things, you know, I, I kind of jump on it immediately. And, and the more that I can investigate, the more that I can kind of you know, understand models and, and, and how we can use computers to, to analyze it and to, and to prognosticate and to create new, uh, how can I put it, uh, models of, of what's going to happen. Any, any project we can, we can look forward to see from you soon? Cosmos at the beginning of, the, of, of November here at Champagne Moise is obviously something that I, is re- I was, you know, we performed Cosmos and Luxembourg and then the world went into lockdown. So, you know, so being able to bring it out now is, is amazing. We have, a, we have a, a, a new piece that we're hoping to, to premiere early next year, hopefully before, before the end of March in, in, in London. And then we're looking at three or four new pieces specifically to be created using um, some, of the, some of the stuff that I'm going to be doing here at Champagne More. So it's going to be an exciting an exciting 15 months coming ahead. Perfect. Looking forward. Please keep us posted so that we tell our audience as well. Will do. Tupac, thank you so much for your time. It's thank you guys. amazing speaking with you. I'll be back in Lisbon soon and uh, looking forward to seeing you in person. And uh, actually, I'm going to Cosmos, I think, I think on November 4th. I'm uh, really okay. looking forward to that as well. And Yannick, thank you so much. Amazing. Uh, it's yeah. been a pleasure. Thank you guys very much as well. And also thank you to take the time for me. Do you mind if I ask you one last question? Would I think would be really interesting for all my fellow students as well. For everybody that wants to interact in this metaverse, virtual reality, all these things that we just talked about, what's your personal best tip for if you try to start something in there to make this world a better place? Watch. Go in and watch as much as you can. Thanks. So you learn from everybody else. And then you can start making decisions of what you want your pieces to be about. Thank you very much. Okay. No worries. Amazing. Thank you, guys. Now, I love that after the conclusion, we still have questions. That's how uh, interesting the conversation was. <laughs> Tupac, thank you so much. Yannick, thank you so much. Alexandra and Giacomo from the team as well. Amazing. Um, and uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of Lead Sex. Thank you so much. Join us on our next episode of Lead Sex to learn about the future of cities with our guest, Mark Miana. See you then. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You may reach out to us for commenting, giving suggestions, or just say hi by email, x at leadsadventures.com, Twitter and Instagram at leadsadventures, and LinkedIn, leadsadventures. Leads is... L-I-T-S and stands for Life is Too Short. LeadSex Podcast is a result of the teamwork between Beatrice Sosa, Janos Geyer, Lillian Marie Friedrich, Sigurd Coles, and David Bernardo Santo. Please remember that more than providing answers, LeadSex Podcast aims to raise awareness and questions about topics that are becoming relevant and discussed in society. The podcast reflects the personal views of each of its participants and not any institutions. It's not in any way meant to give investment, health, medical, or any other type of advice. Many of the topics addressed are still not fully tested, confirmed, or approved, so please question everything you hear and exercise extreme caution. 